is Gunnar Esaias, and then you are listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esaias Foundation and GunnarEsaias.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esaias and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esaias Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, it's Gunnar Esiason, and we are back for another episode of Breathe In. Tiffany, Leah, how are you guys? <laughs> Doing great. How are you? Uh, I am well. It's pouring rain here. It's August. Oh, it's coming for me. The the summer is winding down. So you know what that means? It's back to school time, talking about education here. And we are lucky to have another very special guest. Two weeks in a row we've had a guest. Katie Fielding is joining us. She's 37 with cystic fibrosis, and she spent 15 years working in public education. Katie, how are you? And thank you for joining us. I am great. Very busy. Back to school time. Mm-hmm. Um, but glad to get back into the routine because actually I do better when I'm in like the routine of school. So I don't blame you. I think routine's important, especially with mm-hmm. Seattle, you know? Yeah. I mean, like summer is like a super long weekend for me. <laughs> it's, it's harder to be compliant on the weekends. Yeah. Rather than like the school day when you have a, a regular right. um, schedule. Yeah. I'm I've, sure the humidity to- isn't helping. Yeah, it's not. You're absolutely right with like the routine and getting back into work. I definitely feel like I'm better when I have like a a set series of goals that are laid out for me uh, from a work perspective as well as like a a quality of life perspective. But I mean, I definitely feel like the summer's kind of like yeah, you're relaxing, you're kind of just doing your thing. But then as soon as the fall rolls around, you're right back into it. Um, So what we're going to talk about today is you know some of the things you've learned as being on the teacher side of education, and then we're going to give some tips to parents who are uh, sending their kids off to you know preschool, elementary school, you know the 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 first few school years, and then we'll walk our way all the way to college, and we'll all be able to offer some perspective there. Um, But first, let's learn a little bit more about you. What led you to education, and uh, what what do you do uh, now as a teacher? Yeah, so I started my career in education as a science teacher. Um, so I was a bio major in college, and I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but then I was like, mm, I have CF, it's probably not for me the wisest. Um, <laughs> I kind of balanced or decided my work-life balance, I didn't want that life work mm-hmm. balance. Yeah, I think so, it would be hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love science, and I love sharing it with people, so I went into teaching. My mom's a teacher, so that was kind of a natural fit. And yeah, I taught science for 13 years, and now I'm an instructional technology coach at the same school I was teaching at, a big high school, 2,500 kids, public school outside DC. Um, And I teach, spend most of my time teaching teachers how to use technology tools, and I spend like the other half of my time teaching students digital citizenship and digital wellness, things like that. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's fun. <clears throat> so, I mean, you know, what, what would you say uh, from the teacher perspective mm-hmm. is uh, the most important for most important thing for students to look forward to as far as school is concerned, uh, students specifically with cystic fibrosis or chronic illness? You know, how, um, h- how would you say that, uh, you know, uh, 
what would you say is the most uh, the easiest way to make sure that a kid like that is successful in the classroom? I would say communication. Um, really, I mean, you may not want to disclose it to your classmates, but really communicate it with the teachers. They're much more likely to be understanding and flexible if they understand what's going on with you. Did you communicate your cystic fibrosis as a student back in the back in the old days? Yeah, back in the days. Um, yeah. So interestingly, I was a military brat, so I had to communicate that uh, many times every wow. time I moved. Yeah. So I kind of got good at the speech. Um, but actually, I was young so much in the old days that I actually had classmates with CF. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So in first grade, there was another girl in my class that had CF. And we would go and get our enzymes at lunch together. Wow. That's adorable. (laughs) Wow, that is so funny. That's unbelievable. We actually, even weirder, have the same initials. Oh, uh, wow. Just randomly. Wow. Um, And then the next year, in second grade, I moved uh, far away uh, from the original place. And um, there was another, another kid in my class, Joey, and he had CF. Wow. And, um, yeah, it was crazy. And he would take the rap for my gas. So <laughs> I walked in in the middle of the year and uh, um, knew Joey. So when I would pass gas, I would go, Joey. And then <laughs> I was so I was awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's unbelievable. That's crazy. I had people like I went to school with that had CF growing up, but I never had anyone actually in my class with it. You know, it was always someone like a grade above or a grade below, but never the same. Yeah, yeah it was kind of your time, I guess. Yeah. I was the only one was CF in all my school. Yeah. You're just never- so special. I, I, yeah. it, it happened to me for the first time by the time I got to college, and I only found out – uh, actually, after that, I graduated. That someone uh, at BC also had CF with me. Um, it's, I feel like it, I don't know. You kind of hear stories like that uh, every once in a while. Uh, but it's interesting that you say you're talking about communication. Actually, especially communicating with the administration, the teachers. Uh, I coach high school ice hockey, and I always tell my kids in the very beginning of of the season. You know, if you have a if you have an illness, a chronic illness, I, I, I you know I want to know. I want to know. Per- you know, for my own well-being, but also I want to know how to make you the most successful person you can be and how to allow you and how to give you that opportunity. And I think there's this feeling that if you disclose information about your chronic illness or whatever, you know, you, you may be looked down upon or you may be discriminated against. Uh, you know, that while those things certainly do happen, I'm not saying that they don't. They definitely do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 99 and a half times out of 100, you know, you'll find yourself being supported by the administration and you'll be, you'll find yourself being given the opportunity and the, and the, the utensils that you'll need to succeed in, in life and in the classroom. Yeah, I think that customer service is the big of educators now that we see students and parents as customers. And, you know, when you tell us your needs, it's, you know, we can accommodate them. So it's it's much more friendly environment I think than it used to be, um, but if you're not getting a friendly environment, you know it's illegal for them to <laughs> discriminate against you, um, and there are steps you can take to make sure that um, you you're in the least restricted environment disability. So if you you know most teachers if you cough a lot and you want to take a test in a different room so you don't cough and disturb the class. You can do that. Most people aren't going to have a hard time with that accommodation. But mm. if you do meet that hard, hard-ass person that's 
you can always, of course, go to the administrator, but take it if you really need it. Uh, talk to your doctor about getting a 504 plan. Any of you guys have one of those? I never yeah. did, but yeah, I, I know never, most people I never do. did either. They, yeah. were, they helped me so much, the 504. Yeah. So for, for people who may not know what a 504 plan, yeah. what, what, what is a 504 plan? Yeah, a 504 is an educational uh, plan for a student with a disability to give them any accommodations for their medical uh, disability that would give them the least restricted environment or um, accommodations for being able to learn. So you've probably heard of IEPs. Those are for students that have right. intellectual or uh, so maybe learning disabled, emotionally disabled. That's the IEP. 504s are for people with medical diagnoses, maybe cancer, CF, Crohn's, um, to make accommodations that allow you to learn. Yeah, I mean, you know, I looking back, it was like a, an untapped world, especially when I was a very little kid. Like, I didn't even know that these accommodations weren't even a possibility for me. And I, my parents didn't know either. Uh, it, it finally came to my attention that A lot of I, people don't. It's, it's amazing how many people don't. Um, you know, it finally came to my attention by the time I was in high school, and I was looking at standardized tests for college. Um, and, you know, the way we found out is I, I was sitting for the ACT, and I actually fell asleep during the ACT. Um, I came wow, home. I, really? Yeah, yeah. I fell asleep during the ACT. I came home, and I told my parents what had happened. And my mom, like, I thought she was gonna have a heart attack. She's like, "Oh my god, you're not gonna go to college." And <laughs> you know, I was like, "You know, we'll just cancel the test. You know, I can I can deal with this, whatever." Uh, but then we went back to school and we we talked to the guidance counselor or the um, you know the counselor and explained what had happened. And he was yeah. like, "You know, Gunner can get accommodations for standardized testing, and he can also have those same accommodations here in school." You know, I I had always gone to like uh, to, to private school, so I you know I think the administration was was always a little forgiving towards my specific case. There were a small enough yeah. number of students where they could you know if I missed an extended period of time, they were able to, the the teachers were able to communicate with me directly and and fill me on whatever yeah. I missed. But as soon as I was you know, in this world of standardized testing, which is, you know, just everyone, um, it, it certainly, it certainly dawned, or it suddenly dawned upon my parents that, oh, wait, you know, maybe Gunner should have these accommodations. And then moving forward, when I got to college, we made sure that I had those things as well. You know, I, it's interesting, Katie, you say how a lot of people don't know. What, why do you think that is? I think that, um, you know, they weren't really used until maybe 10 years ago, um, very frequently. I think so. It's like, Students didn't have them or hear of them when they were students. Parents didn't hear of them when they were students. So now they don't know what to expect when they have a child. So it's just kind of a something that's been used more frequently lately. Um, and oftentimes, you know, a lot of times if you have uh, a flexible, like, educational team, teachers, administrators, you don't need one. <laughs> yeah. But right. you just, it's, it's just, it's a nice safety net. And you should also know that it, like, when you're applying to colleges, they don't get told that you have one. Right. That's not like on your transcript. So it's not. That's a good thing to know. Yeah. Because yeah. I know so, people do worry about that kind of thing, especially yeah. when applying, because you don't want to be discriminated against. Or, right. You're not going to you know, be seen as, you know, some special person. Right. So don't worry about that being uh, communicated. But I yeah. know the foundation has some really good information about it on their website. Yeah, they, have, they absolutely do. Yeah. So it's a good resource. Because you got to meet with all your professors or your, you know, all your teachers beforehand. Mm -hmm. And you got to tell them what you needed and what was going to happen maybe during the school year, like a, like a um, hospital 
admission or something. Right. It's interesting you say that because, you know, by the time I got to college and I actually utilized the, you know, Americans with Disabilities Act, uh-huh. and I had my little pre-year meeting with all my professors, I was like, wow, my, my it like, totally blew my mind that, you know, I could actually do this and lay out exactly what I needed to them. And, uh, you know, like, you know, like you said, Katie, the vast majority of people are going to be very receptive to you, and then you'll find the one hard ass who kind of gives you a hard time, but then you just go above them. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and they not, they may or may not appreciate when you go over their head. You know, in my case, yeah. the, the professor certainly did not. Sometimes you have to. I mean, yeah, they shouldn't even be giving you a hard time like that to begin with. You're already dealing with enough. You know, you don't need that stress. No, I, it's just yeah, not necessary. Yeah, I mean that's that. It's also nothing that's like life or death in terms of school. I mean, it's school. It'll yeah, still be true. there when you get better. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure why a test has to be taken tomorrow rather than in a week. You know, that doesn't make any sense. It's probably the sign, honestly, of a lazy professor who only wanted to make one version. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and someone who has tenure and has very little incentive to, like, you know, yeah. change his ways. To be uh, honest, a lot of teachers will just use the same test. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I got to nursing school, I learned that, you know, when you miss a test, you get one that's. 10 million times harder. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually interesting you bring that up. I, uh, I'll never forget, now, you know, we're kind of talking about college right now, but my, uh, my sophomore year of college, I, had a, I was an English major, so I was taking a poetry class. And if you can imagine me in a poetry class, you, know, that's, you, you, have, you, have, you have a pretty good image of what it was probably like. But uh, the final exam came around, and it was like, you know, we had to, like, annotate and you know, write notes about all these, these different poems and stuff like that. And I started coughing during the test. It was the end of the semester. It's like classic, like, when a person with CF starts to get sick because he's been at college all semester and his body is just like, okay, yeah. I'm done. So, I, you know, it was the last final exam of the year, and we're in there. I started coughing, and the poetry professor, like, made the big announcement. He's like, all right, Gunner's going to leave the room so he can stop coughing or <laughs> cough on his own, and everyone can stop being bothered. And I was like, what is going oh, on? Oh, my God. I was like, I was like, <laughs> and, I mean, I didn't. So I, like, everyone just kind of laughed, and now I kind of laughed as well because you know we kind of had that report from that from the whole year. But yeah. I was like singled out in front of all these people, and, you know, half of which I really knew pretty well. The other half, I was like, I had you know, just like you know people that were in my major, <laughs> and, and I got moved to a different room. And to his credit, it actually worked out. You know, they were all unbothered. I could cough freely without having some anxiety. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, believe me, I was having anxiety about coughing in front of a, you mm-hmm. know an entirely quiet yeah. room. It's, it's something that happens. Um, and then, I, you know, I spoke to him afterwards and I said, you know, thanks for giving me the opportunity to move. You know, maybe you shouldn't have handled it the way that you did, though. Yeah, um, that's yeah. good because, I mean, people need to learn. A little feedback. Um, yeah. But uh, so I want to sort of come right back, come back to grade school before we move on to, to, yeah. to, to later school. You know, what are some things that people with CF can either request or uh, in your experience, you see that people do request through their 504? Yeah. Um, so it could be maybe... Um, the ability to, to leave class a little early, go um, so that you can get to the next class. Um, maybe if you don't, you know, you're lethargic, you need more time to get between classes. You can ask for that. You can ask for like a your own bathroom pass, so you don't have to get up and ask or, to go to the bathroom. Like you're, you and all the teachers just have an understanding that you're going to go to the bathroom when you need to go, and you're not going to like take advantage of that. Um, and some other things that you might need at certain times would be homebound instruction. Did any of you do that? Um, I don't know if I. No, I, I, di- I didn't. I, you know, I, I didn't. I was. I had an extended. Uh, I had an extended 
absence once, once or twice during my like fourth, fifth grade years. And I, we, you know, I, my parents spoke, can- you know, I was too young to advocate for myself. My parents indicate, uh, you know, spoke candidly with the, with the teacher and they were able to sort of give me, uh, the lesson plan for the next several weeks yeah, until, I was able, I until I was able to come back to school. I don't know if that's what yeah. we're talking about here, but that's what I was yes. doing. So now, so now uh-huh. the doctor says like you need to be out for an extended period of time. They will assign you the district. Your school district has to assign you a teacher. That person will come to your your house and teach oh, you. Wow. Oh wow! Wow! Uh, I didn't know they yeah. did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, I am actually a homebound instructor. I go to kids' houses and and teach homebound. Um, so all different kinds of reasons, of course, medical reasons, kids stay home. But you can do it for all of your classes. Mm-hmm. Or you could even, if you just needed to do it for one class, say, for instance, my school, it starts at 730. Can mm-hmm. you imagine what time, if you have CF, you would have to wake up to get all your treatments in and you're a teenager? So maybe you get a special situation where you don't come in until the second period at 9 a.m. Right. so that you have more time in the morning and you take that other class at home. Right. So you could do That's things a good like accommodation. Honestly, I wish I, I wish I would have had that. I, one of my accommodations in high school was that yeah. I was I was granted leniency uh, for like the very first period of the morning. So like yeah. a lot of times I did end up missing the first 15, 20 minutes of class just so mm-hmm. I could get there at eight thirty instead of having to get at eight a.m. You know, my the school for, to where I was going was a half hour from where I lived. So it you know it, the the travel time was just enormous as, as well as getting up early. I was also playing sports. I was exhausted, and I think right. my parents also saw the need for me to make sure I was getting a good night of sleep and also my professor my teachers too you know the teachers yeah. I've, you know I feel like they wanted to see me succeed and they understood that yeah. if I wasn't feeling well I probably wasn't going to yeah yeah and they want you to ultimately come for as much of the day as you can yeah right. so I my senior year I got granted not having first period they told me I had enough credits so I didn't have to come so I went at second period and that was my whole year which was Absolutely. very that extra time. It is me. I honestly, I mean, my only thing with mornings and accommodations with that when I was in school was I could come to homeroom a little bit later. So, like, I think you had to be in homeroom by, like, 8 a.m. or something like that. But classes didn't actually start until 8.45. So I would honestly get there, you know, right before mm-hmm. the class would start rather than just sit in homeroom and talk about kind of stupid stuff, you know, mm-hmm. for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um and that really helped, either. especially because I live kind of far from the school. And then yeah. with all the treatments, you know, it was a lot. So, yeah, it sounds like it. You know, I, I, I think that's a good one. You know, I think um, these are things that I've like, <laughs> totally forgotten about until, like, we started talking about them just now. No. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think now that, you know, you get towards uh, – you know, college, and you start thinking about, okay, now the kid's starting to advocate for himself. At what point, Katie, do you think kids start advocating for themselves? And at what point do you think kids start should, should start advocating for themselves? Um, I would say that probably in middle school, they should start advocating for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Definitely by the time they're in high school, they should be able to kind of communicate their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, it, I mean, it will be dependent on, on certain things. And, of course, um, I think it's also important um, for the parents to support their kid and, um, and maybe make that initial contact with the teacher. Don't leave it all on the the high school student, but I think parent, parents can interject in like the initial, Mm -hmm. Hey, he's coming to your class. She's Mm -hmm. coming to your class. Just wanted to let you know. (laughs) Yeah. We'll be, we'll be available if, if anything, you know, 
yeah issues arise yeah i I think that's i think that's good advice my parents always said something to the effect of like gunner will let you know what he needs i mean he's a very vocal person and i think most skiff people are like that we're Mm -hmm. all pretty i think good advocates for ourselves Mm-hmm. As, I think as so Because we're, we're patient, right? I mean, I mean even if you aren't, you'll, you learn how you learn how to be over time. You know, like it's one. Yeah, all it's all you need trial is, and error. All you need is one I bad. Mean, all you need is one bad experience to tell you how to do it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So now let's move towards college. Um, you know, yeah. I, I know. I know you studied abroad uh, during your college years. Um, which I is did. which is definitely a unique awesome. thing. Which is a unique thing in the world yeah. of CF. Um, but you know, how, why did how were you able to do that? You know, what was that like? Um, and you know what what is what is uh, education like for people with CF in college? This is also a super long question. Uh, yeah. What do you think people <laughs> with CF need to be successful in college? Let's let's go through those three things. Um, well. Mm. Your, your 504 plan can transfer to college with you, and those accommodations can still be met in college. So those things can happen. Um, I did study abroad, and that was amazing. I studied in Holland, um, which, so cool. um, you know, does have a high rate of CF. So I knew I was going somewhere where it, people would know what it was. Doctors would be familiar with it. I wasn't going to a country where it was like Thailand, where it would be maybe less familiar. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would do that, but you know, yeah. that's just me. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So I knew it was going to be, you know, a relatively safe, um, place as far as like getting CF care. Uh, yeah. yeah. So my, my school school actually had a satellite campus in Holland. So, um, all my classes were with, in my university still, we all lived on the same floor of an old hospital. So I can't ever get away from hospitals, apparently. Yeah, you really can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was a great semester. Um, I encourage anyone with CF who can do that. Um, I think my parents, they came and visited me at one point and bought, brought me more medicine. Um, but, yeah, if you feel like you can do it, do it. Did you, did you make a point of contact with the care team there? I didn't. I didn't at the time. But, you know, maybe in retrospect I, I could have. I had it like written down, I think. <laughs> oh, in case I mean, of emergency, call this number. Yeah. And they'll be like, who are you and what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was in pretty stable health then. So it was, it was a comfortable situation. I, I know, I know you like traveling a, a lot as, yeah. as just a person. So, you know, what are some tips for extended trips that you have for CF? I mean, obviously, uh, studying abroad is like a three month vacation. To some yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know what? What? What is that like? Uh, and, and carrying CF along the way with you. Um, always make sure you have a voltage converter, or you'll blow up your nebulizer like I did. No, like I've done first, that before. I've done that before. Like the horrendous. first day, I was like, "Guys, this is like one of my biggest like fears is blowing one of my machines up traveling." Yeah, it wasn't great, but I was able to get one. And Pari is actually like a German company. Oh, so, really? Yeah, yeah, it is. I didn't actually. Know I, I read, went to a German museum and they had a Pari nebulizer that was like more modern than ours. Oh, and I like wrote the company out like we need these in America, and they sent me one. Oh wow! <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was kind of. <laughs> but um, yeah. So always make sure you can convert your your yeah. devices, um, and. When I travel now, I don't travel for three months at a time, but maybe a month at a time. I always try and time it or arrange it to be my Toby month. 
Oh, so that I'm not no. traveling with Kasten because Kasten is a little bit of a um, a, a pain in the ass. To, let's let's call it what it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut every day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You do. There's zero zero fun involved in Kasten. This is like what I'm trying to plan out right now because I'm going to Italy next month, and I'm okay. like I don't want to end up on Kasten. You know what I mean? Like I can time I mean, it so I kinda, that I technically won't be, you know, but it's I just kind of made it happen. <laughs> I feel like, like you can if you think about it far enough in advance. Yeah. I, so I'm just, just like, like maybe the I'll machine, stop cleaning it like three times a day. You know what I mean? It's just a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a quick nub, but it's just a lot. <laughs> it's also really fun to do pod inhaler in random places because people will look at you and they're like, what is that? Because they don't see inhalers like that very often. Yeah. Do you I want travel to, with your vest or no? I don't. So I like to do active cycle breathing or autogenic okay. breathing. That works really well if you, one, know how to do it, and two, have the patience to do it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, it's a good, I think it's also, going back to school, it's a good trick to have for the school day. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, you're not feeling well, you can go to, down to the nurse, maybe try that a little bit. Mm-hmm. before, you know, maybe having to go home. See if you can clear right. some stuff up. Yeah. Good yeah, so I usually have that and, um, oh, like, a, the flutter-type device. Okay. Yeah. what I travel with. Yeah. I feel like everyone's so different with what they travel with that it's always interesting to hear, you know. Yeah, I mean, does it. the vest is pretty substantial. I try it to pack. Very big. You got to <laughs> do what's best for you. I have to. I've learned the hard way, you know, but it's, it's just what works for me, you know? Yeah, whatever works for you, do it. I know. Mm-hmm. Just pay the butt to bring. You're overachieving with the autogenic breathing. That's all I, that's all really I have to that. say. <laughs> <laughs> that, I hate it the auto, I hate autogenic breathing. It's like so uncomfortable. It's great at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's I do it at PT a lot, and she's, like, talking me through it, and I'm like, I can't make it. I can't make it. <laughs> I can't do it. it I'm going to explode. It's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how you feel. <laughs> Clearly, I love autogenic drainage. If you haven't tried it, you should definitely give it a try and you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. Obviously, Tiffany can't try it at this point. I, I can't do, do anything. Mucus in there. All right. So let's try to get back on topic here. Um, in college, you know, what? W- you know, I, I think college is so different for people with CF, especially yeah. how they deal with it personally. You have some people that want to be gung-ho and have the college experience, like Animal House. They want to live with the frat brothers or oh, yeah. sorority sisters. They want to go in there and have a bunch of roommates. I did that. And then you also have other people with, uh, with CF who, who, who want to have, you know, the, the single room and want to have total privacy, which is also yeah. what I did towards the end of my college years. You know, I had, I had a single within a larger suite yeah, by the time I was a junior, senior. Um, yeah, I had a direct roommate freshman, sophomore year. Um, and I, I think uh, the important thing to note here is that the American with Disabilities Act is something that does cover people in college. However, yeah, yep. there are a few ex, um, exceptions to the law. You know, some certain colleges, basically colleges that don't take, I mean, this is very simplified, but colleges that don't take federal funding are sort of mm-hmm. exempt from the law or sort mm-hmm. of can fall outside of the law. And generally okay. speaking, those are religious schools, um, like super, mm-hmm. super religious schools. Boston College is a religious school, but we didn't have that issue because it's a you know, major research university. I mean, I've heard of people with cystic fibrosis not knowing this until they get to the college and they go, okay, this is what I need. And the college is like, well, sorry, we don't have to give it to you. Oh, wow. wow. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Honestly. 
I went to a super small school before I went to Hopkins for nursing school. And it was like a small religious school. And they were great at accommodating, you know, like, you know, when I got accepted and was like, okay, this is where I'm going to go. I sat down with, you know, Dean of Students and we talked out, this is what I need. Are you able to accommodate me? And they did a great job. So Mm-hmm. I don't know if that school it's, was the so, one that is on that list or not. But. So basically, it's, it's it's schools. I mean, they're they're within their right to you know adhere to the law if they'd like to, but mm-hmm. um, it's basically yeah. schools that don't take federal funding. So okay. or like I guess maybe federal tax cuts. I I, I don't know the specifics there, yeah. but there but there are schools, and it's interesting that like a religious school would fall outside of it. You'd think that if any okay. school that would be like the kind of school that would be like the most like forgiving. Yeah, um, but yeah, but I, yeah, but I, I do know of one specific case where um, a young, young woman went to, went off to school and the, the college basically told her to, you know, go find her own, you know, way. Um, and, and it's, it's like for hard. as far as like a dorm room. Yeah, you know they kind of stuck. So her, they kind of yeah, st- it's money to them. Yeah, I mean they stuck her in there. Yeah. But they also you know wouldn't, wouldn't give her accommodations in the classroom and, and stuff like that, uh-huh. um, which which is just a horrendous thing. And I think yeah, you know you always hear about people with CF that are always like you know, unfortunately I have to you know stay in this line of work so I can make sure I'm on insurance or you know it, it always comes to like I think looking ahead and making yeah. plans because mm-hmm. what you believe should happen <laughs> may not mm-hmm. necessarily align with what actually does happen, right? Yeah. And you know mm-hmm. you know you're you're more than welcome to advocate for change, but. That's down the road. I mean, it's important to look at what's offered to you in the here and now so that you can, you know, help make those changes down the road. And I, I think it's important exactly. just to understand. Like, that's just a question that should have been asked during the admissions process, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's a learning curve, you know. I mean, when I have, a, I have a lot of people reach out to me about, you know, going to nursing school and how you manage all of that and whatever. Um, and a lot of times I tell people, like, you have to think about down the line, is your health going to be able to handle you know, yeah. being a nurse, because it is a physical job. And even nursing school, I mean, you're in class for a good, like, 12 hours a day. Is your yeah. body okay with that? You know, they can mm-hmm. make accommodations, but you can only accommodate so much, okay. you know? And then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, your body has to be able to do this. So I think there is a point where you have to think down the line, is this a good situation for me? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I eventually do so much. So I was in the science classroom for 13 years. And then one of the reasons that I transitioned to this position is to be out of the classroom and have more flexibility in my day because eight right. hours standing in front of kids was getting getting to be hard. And, yeah. and there's nothing now, wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. No. It's just no, part of life. No. Yeah. Nothing. It was like I, I instead of having to leave work or, mm-hmm. you know, change my career totally, I was able to transition into this great position. Yeah. But it is, I think we do as CF people have to long-term look out as, mm-hmm. into the future. Uh, no, absolutely, definitely. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to start doing that in college, you know, when you mm-hmm. are trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. Everyone, mm-hmm. even if you don't have CF, yeah. you're kind of, you know, people change career paths. That's really yeah. normal. It's natural. You're not going to know 100% what you want at 18 years old. But your health, I think, is going to change down the line, and you just have to be willing to accommodate that and kind of be forward thinking about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely absolutely right. And is it a career you can do after transplant as well? Exactly. And how can you, like, transition or what you're doing into something you could do after that point? Exactly. Because I wouldn't be able to go back to the I wish I would have thought about. You know what I mean? I never thought about that when I was younger. And it's because you think it's not going to be you. Mm -hmm. No. 
you know, you're so, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think we had Aaron. Uh, we had Aaron Hunt on the podcast several weeks ago, and she always talked about how you know, growing up, her and her sister was CF. Never thought about how you know, th- 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 you know, what happened to people with CF wasn't going to happen to them. You know, they were always you know outside the realm of, of, of what happens to people with CF. And then she goes for a transplant, and then she said, you know what, I am the statistic. I am the statistic <laughs> of what happens to people with CF, and I think. You know, the, the sooner that you can come to grips with that, with that kind of feeling that, yeah, a lot of people with CF do go through what I go through, that can help shape what you want to do in your future and sort of, you know, that can help dictate, you know, what maybe what you're going to study in college or what kind of career path you'll choose after college and, and, and you know, what college you're going to go to if that college has protections of the American with Disabilities Act. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think uh, a, a lot of these things just come down to taking the time to really figure out what's best for you in, in, in certain situations. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. Okay. All right, so we're, we're sort of towards the end here. And Katie, we always like to give our guests the final word on the podcast before we say goodbye. Um, and I think, you know, w- what would you say uh, as one, you know, big, giant piece of advice uh, to, you know, families of maybe a little one with cystic fibrosis or, mm-hmm. or people with CF that are heading off into high school or college to prepare themselves for the upcoming school year? Um, I would say just focus um, – on learning and get excited about the learning because that is um, what I love. And I think as a teacher, of course you love that. Yeah, (laughs) But um, you know, don't make school. I think especially for the little kids, don't make school like a scary germy place for the little kids, like make it someplace they want to go to learn because ultimately, you know, CF kids today are going to live a long time and it's super hopeful. And, you know, they're going to need to learn some stuff to live that long life. To yeah. Learn some stuff. Take, <laughs> they do. take it, take it from the teacher herself. We're going to learn yeah. some stuff. <laughs> I love it. Kaleidico kids. That's what yeah. I call them. Kaleidico kids. Kaleidico kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is pretty funny. All right, well, uh, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, remember, to all you people out there listening in podcast land, you can hit us up every Thursday. That's when we're posting our episodes. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you do hit us on iTunes, make sure you give us the five star rating and review. Yeah. Five, five stars for Katie this week. Yes, um, yeah. You can always contact us uh, at breathe underscore in underscore pod at asias.org. That's our new email address. You can follow us on Instagram at the same place at breathe underscore in underscore pod. Um, Ooh, the puppy is awake. Hello. Um, (laughs) She's been so quiet all all episode. Um, They're the Salty Sisters. I'm Gunnar Asias. You can hit us up on uh, all social media and make sure you check out their store, right? Yes, check out our store. Yes, make sure you go to the store and get the breathe in pod swag. Yeah, there's not much left, so you need to act on that now before, our before new, it's gone. Before our new collection comes out. Um, before our new collection. <laughs> that's, that, that's, all, that's all for me. Um, do you guys have anything to add? No, you, you covered it all. Awesome. Just remember good, to rate, good job, me. subscribe, follow, all Everything. those things. Make sure you hit us up. Um, <laughs> yeah. right, well, thank you, Katie, again. Thank you so much for joining thank us. You. Thank uh, you. We're happy to have you, um, and we will see everyone next week. Yeah, bye guys. Bye.